hppodcraft.com. Hi, folks. This is Chad Pfeiffer from the HP Lovecraft Literary Podcast at hppodcraft.com. I'm sorry to say that we're experiencing yet another delay with the show this week due to some technical difficulties. Now, between family emergencies and too much traffic and feed changes and computer outages, it almost feels like some dark force is conspiring against us as we get into this latter half of Lovecraft's work. I'm not saying that there's a cult after us or anything, but uh, I'm pretty sure there's a cult after us. So, you know, we aren't the types to be bullied by a cult, so uh, I looked around quickly to see if we had anything to put on the air this week, and we do have a couple of things we can share. We've got a somewhat sad short story about the daily life of Lovecraft's best-known creation written by me and read by Andrew Lehman. And we also have a little goofy radio drama Chris and I recorded a couple of years ago while pitching a pulp adventure show. Of course, this is poor compensation when what you really tuned in for was the color out of space, I know, and we'll have the second part for you very soon. But in lieu of that, we didn't want to leave you alone for your subway ride or your car commute or computer work or painting or paint huffing or whatever it is you do while listening to the show. So once again, thank you all for your patience and your patronage. And uh, without further ado, here is our first act today. Andrew Lehman reading a short story called Despite Himself, He Dreamed. Enjoy. In a small, distant, insignificant universe, on a small, distant, inconsequential planet, in a small, distant, negligible body of water, Cthulhu sleeps. His dreams are hazy but pleasurable. The sounds of screaming, stone crumbling, floods, fires, destruction, and something else. The alarm clock. Cthulhu wakes, rising to sit on the edge of the bed, staring off into space for what seems like hours. The dreams fade away, and the best part of his day is over. He stares into the bathroom mirror, flabby, tired. How did I get this old? He thinks. Maybe I should get that book everybody's talking about. Maybe I could snap back. Cthulhu showers. He pulls unnameable parasites from the walls of Relay with his ragged claws, counting them, forcing them, squirming into his horrible maw. Eighty-six so far this morning. He knows it's pointless that there will always be more parasites. But it's the job. He needs the job. What, is Cthulhu supposed to just not work? A shark, prehistoric and grand, suddenly rips through the water above like a rocket, gouts of blood spurting from its razor-sharp jaws. Cthulhu watches the fish disappear into the smoky depths. Must be nice, he thinks. He looks at the parasite in his dread hand. 
Do I own Relay? Or does Relay own me? 87. Why am I so jealous of the shark, he wonders. Aren't I destined for great things? Isn't there something special about me? Won't I be up there someday myself, devouring? <laughs> yeah, right. The gouts of blood, deep and red and vital, are slowly diluted by the ocean water. They disappear. 88. Cthulhu knows that hope is the whore mother of disappointment. He knows that no matter how hard he tries, no matter how important he feels deep down, that the universe is random and uncaring. His ship will probably never come in. <laughs> Maybe it already did, and he missed it. 89. He finishes the work, returns to his room. He's tired of hearing himself think. He's tired of trying to cheer himself up, of making lists of things to do, those proactive things. He's tired of being tired. His chest fills with anxiety. He imagines he's standing on the edge of a gaping hole. He has to fill it in with something, but he doesn't know how. He wants to cry, but doesn't see the point. Cthulhu watches TV. Nothing's on, but it helps fill the hole. He thinks of making a phone call, but what would there be to say? Nothing's happened in a long time. Why make everybody else miserable? It's better to face the facts. This is the way it is. Get over it and go to bed. You've got the job tomorrow, after all. And so Cthulhu drifts off to sleep, feeling like he was never really awake. And despite himself, he dreams. Wow. Uh, what did you... What did you think of that story, Chris? Oh, man, I really liked it. That was really great. Really? Oh, thanks, man. That means a lot. Oh, no problem, man. That story was awesome. Uh, thanks again to Andrew for reading that story for me a few years ago, actually. Uh, he did a great job. Now, for the next act, we have a radio drama that Chris and I knocked out a few years ago. This was for an animated show we were pitching called The Adventures of Mr. Kicks and Dr. Go about a couple of masked crime fighters who, uh, well, they fight crime. The show didn't get picked up, but we still have the radio drama, and here it is for your listening pleasure. A quick warning for our more sensitive listeners, this has absolutely nothing to do with H.P. Lovecraft. Enjoy. When evil lurks, when danger looms, when trouble steps out for some air, two heroes don little black masks and race to the scene of the crime. To villains, they are nightmares. To women, they are dreams. To everyone else, they are Mr. Kicks and Dr. Go.
When we last left Mr. Kicks and Dr. Go, they were at the Dazzle City Zoo, attempting to rescue supermodel-turned-journalist Fanny Fahrenheit from the clutches of the evil Skullface Madman known as Professor Skullface, not realizing that they were in fact falling into his sinister trap. Check out my trap! <laughs> now, bound by their hands and locked in a steel cage, the two heroes in their daemon distress face certain death at the paws of a hungry cougar. Nice rescue, Mr. Kicks. Do you do everything this well? I do everything even better, Fanny. Even better. Mr. Kicks, I've managed to break the ropes binding my hands. Good job, Dr. Go. And if I remember anything from caring for my sister's cats, it's that there's a certain part of the feline anatomy that, when stroked, can turn even a cougar into a kitten. Then don't waste time, Dr. Go. Stroke that cat off! Here we go. Watch the teeth. There, you've got him now! Stroke it, Dr. Go! Stroke it like you were born to stroke it! Stroke it, Dr. Go! Stroke it! Stroke it! Yes, it worked! I thought it might. See, Mr. Kicks, cats have scent glands in each corner of their mouths. That's why when you stroke one of those corners, the cat will fall into a helpless purring euphoria. Quick, let me get those ropes untied before it comes to his senses. Start with me, Dr. Go. So, what do you think of me now, Fanny? You didn't do anything! Not yet, I didn't. But I'm about to get us out of this cage. Thanks, Dr. Go. Now, Fanny, I'll just need a piece of that blouse. What are you going to do with that? I'll figure something out later. In the meantime, I've spied a gap in the bars at the top of this cage. The giant cat could never get through, but it's just about the right size for us if we can use the rocks to climb up. Thanks, Dr. Go. Yow! That was my face! What do you take me for, Mr. Kicks? Some kind of showroom dummy you can undress for giggles? Well, I ain't no tray of biscuits to be passed around the dinner card, Junior. I deserve respect. I'm the ex-fiancé of Ted Chicago, you know. I knew it all too well, no time to argue, guys. Tabby's starting to look frisky again. We've got to climb up these rocks to freedom. Quick, jump on my back! Ha! I meant Fanny, Mr. Kicks. Oh, sorry about that. I'll just, uh... I'll just get down then, and, uh... Let's go! After returning Fanny safely home, our two heroes assume their alter egos, wealthy playboy Ted Chicago and street brawler turned scientist Chuck Tomorrow. The two men lounge about Ted's mansion, in their bathrobes, joined by Wednesday, their girl Friday, the only other person in the world to know of their heroic super personas. Okay, cup of tea for Chuck. Thanks, Wednesday. And one martini for Ted, extra dirty. Thanks, doll. Say, can you turn up the heat in here? I'm shaking all over. Just look at my hand. Just drink your martini, Chicago. Something tells me that'll do the trick. Wednesday, I, um, I like your dress. Do you? Well, uh, I guess now that I think about it, you did tell me that green was your favorite color. What a funny coincidence. Oh, why don't you stop bothering people, Chicago? And close that robe for Pete's sake. <laughs> Whoops, looks like my privates went AWOL. <laughs> the cowards. Mr. Chicago, Mr. Tomorrow. Little Jim, what's the matter? There's something fishy going on down at the soup kitchen. Me and all the other homeless folks was down there trying to catch a meal when this creepy guy showed up offering free theater classes at the warehouse next door. Well, that doesn't sound too fishy. Well, it did to me. So I followed the people who went with him, and I spied on him. It was the weirdest thing. All the instructor did was walk around giving the students massages. Well, that does sound like a theater class. Wait a minute, Little Jim. This instructor, did he have a gray beard, black turtleneck, and sound like he was on the verge of tears every time he spoke? He sure did. Now that definitely sounds like a theater class. And perhaps it is, Chuck. Or perhaps it's the work of a certain Baron Backrub. Baron Backrub, of course. The undead fiend who absorbs the spinal fluid of his victims through his fingers. That's right, Chuck. And if there's one thing I can't stand, it's stealing the fluids of the helpless. We must do something to protect those poor, powerless vagrants! Sounds like you better call Mr. Kicks and Dr. Go! What are you still doing here, little Jim? Shouldn't you be getting home? I don't have one. 
Oh, well, then go stand outside or something. We've got things to do. Oh. Okay. <laughs> that crazy little scab. It's kicks and go time! Our two heroes don their costumes and zip off in their state-of-the-art roadster, the Ginger Blue. When they arrive at the warehouse, they find it is all quiet and that no one is around. Sure is quiet. Yeah, and there's nobody around. Almost too nobody around. Mind if I drop in? What the? Suddenly, Baron Backrub leaps down from the rafters, pinning our two heroes to the ground with his powerful hands. Well, 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 Mr. Kicks and Dr. Go. Normally I'd run off at the side of you two, but I am glutted on the spinal fluid of the homeless and more powerful than you could ever imagine. Let us go, you maniac! Oh, I don't think so, Dr. Go. I'd rather have you stay so that I can give you a massage. And I promise you, this massage won't have a happy ending. No happy ending? You monster! We'll just start with the backs of your necks! Ah! No! Will our heroes survive the deep tissue menace of Baron Backrub? Or will they too become undead spinal leeches? There's only one way to find out. Tune in next week for another episode of Mr. Kicks and Dr. Go! Uh, sadly, there was never a next week of Mr. Kicks and Dr. Go, but maybe we'll pick it up another time. That was, of course, Chris Lackey as our announcer and Dr. Go. Yours truly as Mr. Kicks and Baron Backrub and Heather Clinky as Lil Jim. Also featured were Shannon Noel Webb as Fanny Fahrenheit and Mary Kay Holmes as Wednesday, There Go Friday. Okay, well, uh, that has been our little variety show for this week. Hopefully it was somewhat entertaining and, uh, and killed a little time in your day. Sorry again about the various delays over the past month. Uh, we'll be back with the second and final episode of the Color Out of Space next week. So be sure to tune in then. This has been Chad Pfeiffer, together with a, a terrible imitation that I did of Chris Lackey, at the H.P. Lovecraft Literary Podcast at hppodcraft.com. Ah!